The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Steve Grosso, Brian Kelly, and Pete Najarian. Tonight on Fast, we are all over this monster night for earnings. Microsoft, Alphabet, Visa, Starbucks, AMD, just a few of the names on the move after reporting within the last hour. Many of those analyst calls just getting underway. We've got wall-to-wall coverage all hour long. Our team of reporters standing by to break down all the results. Let's kick things off with the biggest of them all reporting tonight. Microsoft, Josh Lipton's got the numbers. Josh. So, Melissa, remember heading into this report, Microsoft was up about 20 percent so far this year. But now giving some of that back in the after hours is for the report itself. Microsoft beating on the bottom and the top and turning to the segments. Uh, revenue and productivity and business processes, 13.6 billion. That was an increase of 15 percent. Within that, Office 365 commercial revenue growth of 22 percent. LinkedIn revenue increasing 25 percent. Then there's Intelligent Cloud that was 15.1 billion, increasing 23 percent. Within in that division, Azure revenue growth, 50%, 46% constant currency. And finally, more personal computing, $13 billion, an increase of 19%. Windows OEM revenue there increasing 10%. Xbox content and services revenue jumping 34%. I did check in with Kirk Matern over at Evercore. He covers the name. Kirk said Microsoft posted strong overall results here. He did note there was a very high bar. He said the stock goes up huge heading into this print. And Azure up 46% constant currency. Kirk saying that was slightly below the buy side whisper number more in the high 40s and that is weighing on the stock he says here at least initially though commercial bookings and commercial backlog Kirk saying both up strongly in his opinion that does confirm the long-term cloud thesis is intact here Microsoft he says is well positioned to keep delivering double-digit top line and bottom line growth remember the conference call starts at 5:30 Eastern at which point we'd expect uh, guidance from executives. Of course, we'll be on that call and bring you the headlines as they come. Melissa, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks for that. Josh Lipton on Microsoft. Interesting setup into this quarter, Guy. As Josh had pointed out, Microsoft was an outperformer versus its peers going into the earnings report. Didn't have as high multiple, of course. So it had sort of this, this give-and-take scenario, in which it was up, what, four times the IGV, the software ETF. Um, and, and so the bar was set very, very high. Deservedly so, though. I mean, and, you know, 50% growth in Azure year over year. All right, constant currency, 46%. I had the number, you know, the street was looking for 42%. Maybe the whisper number was higher. Okay, so I get that. You're still talking about somewhere between 46 and 50% growth year over year, number one. Number two, operating margins came in close to 41%, much better than the street was looking for. Yes, they're buying back stock. I think the reason the stock is selling off, we've seen it before, number one, People saying, you know what, maybe 31 times earnings is a little too expensive. I'd push back and said we've seen this before a number of times over the last couple of years when they sell this stock off on valuation only to see it making new all-time highs a week or so later. I think that's the environment that we find ourselves in again. Great quarter. Obviously not good enough on the knee-jerk, but I think it's going to be a fine. Pete Jerry, what's your take on the quarter? What do you want to know on this call, which gets underway in 27 minutes? Yeah, I think Guy's exactly spot on on what he's talking about in terms of the quarter itself. The quarter itself was absolutely magnificent. When you look at Azure, which is what we all were really focused on, 
they hit the numbers. I, I mean, the numbers and the margins and the operating margins, all of this looks uh, fantastic. I guess we really do want to know, though, what's next. We always want to know what's next, right? And that's what we're going to find out because we'll get a little bit more guidance. You know, for a long time, we weren't getting guidance from companies for all the right reasons. We all understand that. But now we're starting to hear more and more companies give us some of that guidance. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what Microsoft has to say going forward because the numbers were extraordinary. All throughout each and every one of these segments, they're just beats after beats. And, and I, I, I'm pretty excited about where it's going. The pullback makes a little bit of sense. That bar was so high. It almost was so high to that no matter what they said, maybe they sell it off. I actually went out and bought some May options today, Mel, mm. to add to my stock position. That May option is going to give me a little bit of time. It's going to give me approximately, call it a month, for this to play out. And if I'm right, then I think this stock's going to be a lot higher in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things that they could address in terms of the next big thing. Remember, earlier this month, they did a $16 billion acquisition of Nuance to get deeper into healthcare, Brian Kelly. They did not have a call after that acquisition with analysts. So there are still a lot of questions about what this deal will bring Microsoft. Right. That's exactly it. And that's the type of thing that can accelerate it. So I wouldn't be too concerned about this after hour sell off for now. It could be people that just ran this thing from 230 up to 260, taking some off the table. I think the real key during the call beyond what the other kind of products are is, is the trend sustainable? Is it accelerating? Is it sustainable? Or is this just because is this the last push because COVID and everybody had to go to digital and all of that? And is it then going to slow down? Or is this actually the trend now? I happen to think it's the trend. I happen to think you're going to have this hybrid approach for uh, businesses. So I would not be that concerned about weakness in the stock. Yeah, Jeffries had an interesting survey recently. They, they polled 200-plus collaborative software decision makers. 71% of them expected some sort of hybrid or remote working environment for the near future. I mean, for, for per, a permanent basis. which would lend itself to this push into cloud to remain number two or maybe even gain market share on Amazon, but also the growth in teams that we've seen. Yeah, coming from the only guy who's uh, at the floor of the New York Stock (laughs) Exchange now, I would love to see some sort of a hybrid model really take hold. But but just touching on uh, just the moving averages of the stock, this stock habitually tags the 50-day. 50 day is 242. Stock is at 253 now post earnings. So you saw a drop of three and a half percent. Before earnings came out, I was looking for a drop of 7%. I would like to see this tap the 50, then start back up on the staircase that it's been doing. And anyone with a chart, uh, home gamers could look at this and look at the moving averages. This has tagged its 50-day moving average, uh, as I said, habitually, almost once a month going back and forth. So I expect this to trade lower, then ratchet right back up. I think Guy's right. Valuation is the key. So your entry would be around 242. 242, correct. Okay. Let's move on and get to Alphabet at this point. That call is underway right now. Let's get to Deidre Bosa with the latest. Deidre. Melissa, Senator Pichai just kicking off that call on a somber note. He says that recovery is far from uniform across the globe as tragic scenes in countries like India and Brazil remind us. In terms of financials, though, guys, extremely strong quarter. Google has already been seen as the biggest reopening winner among the mega cap tech group. And its results today justifying 
That outperformance, it's 30% plus gain this year, continuing in the after hours. I spoke to CFO Ruth Porat not long ago. She attributed the strong performance to both the lapping impact of COVID and what she calls excellent operating performance. YouTube and cloud, those were bright spots. In addition to search, of course, revenue at both those businesses each increasing nearly 50% year over year. Cloud losses also narrowing. I asked Porat if 2021 would be another investment year or if they'd be putting more focus on profitability. She says there is still sizable opportunity. So their approach has not changed. They will continue to invest. Now, while investors, they continue to shrug off regulation and antitrust scrutiny, Porat's comments to me suggest that they are indeed keeping a very close eye on things. She said, quote, privacy is absolutely core to what we do. No question the privacy landscape is changing and regulation is rapidly evolving. Melissa, back over to you. All right, Deidre, keep us posted on that call, which is eight minutes in at this point. Um, Let's trade Alphabet. And so many times on this show, we have talked about a re-rating of Alphabet. And this quarter, Brian, seems to be confirmation of that re-rating. Yeah, I think I think the market's got this one right. Um, you know, they not only have their legacy kind of businesses done well, but now things are starting to accelerate. You look at YouTube, that's starting to accelerate. And again, if you have this new approach where people are advertising on YouTube, that is going to be another driver for Google. What's interesting when you talk about valuation, whether it's for Google or for Microsoft, the other side of this coin on earnings and what we're seeing in some of the industrial companies are cost pressures and margin pressures. You're not seeing that in the tech companies. So you actually could see people rotate into tech as somewhat of a, not an inflation hedge, but you might justify these valuations because the input costs are unlikely to rise like they are with the industrials. Oh, that's that's an interesting point there. By the way, we should note that in the after hour session, Alphabet shares are touching all time highs. Uh, Guy Dami, what do you make? Because the analysts going into this quarter are saying the second half of the year is going to be a good setup for Alphabet. I mean, if what we just saw wasn't good and the second half is going to be even better, I mean, that bodes pretty well in terms of spending um, you know, ad spending when it comes to travel, entertainment, media, et cetera. Yeah, I know Karen's watching, sitting on her Peloton, no doubt. And that's <laughs> her biggest position. And she's talked about this eloquently for, for years now. And you've actually said, Mel, uh, that this is the reopen trade that nobody talks about. I'll say this. Last quarter, I said that post earnings, the stock was actually cheaper than it was when the day started. I'll say it again. You can do the math. I mean, they're going to make anywhere from 90 to $105 a share given a ridiculous EPS quarter. In the old days, they would have had a pre-announced this quarter. It was so good. Operating margins, I mentioned that. Why? Because they're running their business better. And oh, by the way, this all coincides with when Ruth Porat took over. Look at what that stock has done since she's been on board. I think you throw, and it's not ridiculous to say, given their earnings power, a 30 multiple on this, and you're going to have people talking about a $3,000 stock over the next couple of days. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, a re-upping the share of repurchase plan by $50 billion. That ain't bad either, Steve Grasso, for investors. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually like the, uh, the idea of the $50 billion buyback, but this is another one that does check its 50-day quite often. And before this earnings came out, it would have been the mirror image of what Microsoft was, which would have been a 7% check back. Now, with the 4% rally post-earnings, I'm looking for an 11% pullback in Google. I know that's very unpopular as we're looking at the stock scream. 
but I would wait for uh, tremendously lower prices before I jump in. Tremendously lower prices, maybe as much as 11 percent wow. lower. <laughs> Pete, what do you think of, uh, of Grasso's suggestion? I think if Grasso's it. right, I'd be right there with him <laughs> buying. No, <laughs> no, but I just don't, I don't know that I see that. But, I th- but, but if that were to happen, I certainly would then be pretty excited about what's going on with Google because, as Guy points out, these numbers are pretty extraordinary, Mel. And when you really extrapolate out and you look out into the future a little bit, you start to look at this company and say, you know what, there is plenty of different areas where they can still have that growth. We talk about YouTube all the time, but then you can also look at the cloud, which is an area where they've been they've been working on it and they've been getting better, but they still haven't really made a dent yet. And maybe there's plenty of room, or actually I do think there's plenty of room in the cloud space. They just need to take it. I think right now you're seeing Microsoft take more of that share, but I think that Google is starting to show a little bit of that ability to start eating away at some of that as well. And it's not necessarily AWS, it's just the others, all the others that are out there. And that could be huge for them. So for those reasons, I do think there's plenty of upside. But if Steve's right, you get 11% pullback, I am in, Mel, absolutely. Uh, Well, that wasn't my question, really. I mean, my question is, do you think Steve is going to be right? Or do you think people are going to miss the boat? Because if you're going to sit here and wait for an 11% pullback that you don't think is going to, I mean, that doesn't help anybody, right? Yeah, sure. People would love to buy Google. I mean, if they wanted to buy Google or I should say Alphabet, (laughs) 11% lower is an even better price, obviously. Yeah, I think, well, to Guy's point, I like it right here. And I think when they Uh re-rate it, you're going to see this stock actually go even a lot higher. So I don't see that going down 11%. But if that, under those circumstances, you'd actually absolutely want to be a buyer. And sure. too many times when things go down, people just run. They say, you know what? Wow, something's really right. wrong. I don't want to touch this. That's going to be the mistake. Yeah. And also when things go up, people think, oh, maybe it's gotten away from me. And so when you take a look at an alphabet up right. 4% after hours, Guy, do you feel, which would you be more inclined to do? Buy Microsoft down 3% or alphabet up 4%? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a great, that's a fascinating question. I mean, I think, well, <laughs> since I said I think Google's cheaper now than it was to start the day, I'd have to say Google uh, up the percentage that it's up now. But that's not to cast aspersions on Microsoft, right. because we talked about that earlier in the show. But I think it would be Alphabet up 4%. All right. For more on tonight's big tech earnings, let's bring in Jared Weisfeld, the tech sector specialist at Jefferies. Jared, great to have you with us. Um, what's, your, what's your take on these giants? I think Guy's point is spot on, especially with Google. I mean, look at the beat that just happened. Not only are you seeing accelerating revenue growth with their search business growing 30% year on year, they absolutely crushed operating profit, right? Even, you know, there was a depreciation change, but even excluding that, we're talking about a $4 billion beat on operating profit. So, you know, Google stock is by definition cheaper now than it was, you know, just an hour ago. And when you look at what's happening underneath the hood in terms of search up 30%, YouTube up almost 50%, and mind you, Google Cloud isn't even at scale yet, right? They're not even generating profits in Google Cloud. So imagine when that starts hitting its stride. And I think, uh, Melissa, I think you mentioned our survey uh, at Jefferies earlier in terms of just what's happening in terms of work from anywhere, work from home. You know, digital transformations are accelerating at a rapid rate. Look at the opening commentary from Satya in the press release at Microsoft. He talked about the adoption curve just getting started. And I think that's exactly right. And even though you're starting to see, you know, some expectations miss on Microsoft, mm-hmm. we're still talking about Azure growing 46% year on year. So we're still very early days on digital transformation. And I think that's going to benefit technology as a whole. 
But in terms of in terms of these stocks and where they're situated right now for the recovery, Jared, I mean, even if work for, from home remains some sort of a, a part of people's lives, I don't know that it would be ever the peak that it has been during the pandemic. Do you? And so so is that upside for Microsoft more capped here than the upside that you see from a, an alphabet in terms of the possibility for, you know, where it is with this upswing in the economy right in front of it? Yeah, no doubt. I think I think that's a great point. And Google, for sure, will capture more of the cyclicality on the upside. They, when you think about where travel can be as a percentage of total Google search, you know, at peak that can be almost twenty percent uh, of their revenue. It, it's not a small, uh, it's not a small number. So when you think about from a cyclical exposure perspective, not only does Google benefit on the digital transformation side in terms of the secular trends that we're talking about, but they'll also capture that cyclicality as the economy reopens in the back half of the year. But again, that's also not a knock against Microsoft. Remember, they've got a ton of SMB exposure and they've got a transactional business business that will absolutely benefit to the upside. But on a relative basis, for sure, Google is the one that benefits more in the context of a cyclical recovery. All right, uh, Jared, thanks so much. I understand you're going to hang out, listen to these calls. We'll check in with you if there's news. Thanks a lot, Jared Weisfeld of Jefferies. Um, Now that we've talked about both with this tech specialist of Jefferies, Pete Nigerian, I'll pose that same question to you. Microsoft down here in the after hour session or Google up? Um, You know, I I guess the favorable thing right now would be to say Google, but I am such a huge fan of Microsoft and what they're doing, Mel. I think this pullback, let's not forget, this stock hit new highs today, and now it's pulled back 3%. So I'm still big, a a huge believer in Microsoft, so I would say buy Microsoft down 3%. All right. Uh, Shares of Visa also on the move in the after-hours session. Company's call is underway. Let's get to Kate Rooney with all the details. Hey, Kate. Hey there, Melissa. Visa stock has been up about 2% here after hours after a beat on the top. And the bottom line, earnings came in 11 cents above estimates. Revenues did decline year over year, but those were also better than expected. Visa is not giving full year guidance due, they say, to economic uncertainty. The call just kicking off here at the top of the hour. CEO Al Kelly saying that the recovery is still dependent on vaccine rollouts and it varies around the world. But Kelly says he believes We're, quote, at the beginning of the end of the pandemic and the recovery is well underway, at least in a number of markets. He pointed to strength in e-commerce and digital payments. One line just from the earnings call a couple minutes ago, he says that one in 10 in-person payments are now tap to pay. So consumers are using tap to pay digital payments a little bit more. He talked about sort of the death of cash and that habit going away. People are not going back to cash, he says, and he expects that behavior to persist He mentioned that as one green shoot. Um, He also says that contactless payments doubled since the beginning of the pandemic. International travel, though, guys, that's looking like it's going to take a little bit longer to recover. That showed up in cross-border payments for the second quarter year for Visa. That was down 11% year over year as international travel does essentially remain at a standstill. Al Kelly, though, did say that improved slightly from the first quarter. It was up about three points from Q1. Guys, back to you. All right, Kate, thanks. Kate Rooney on Visa. Brian Kelly, where do you go with this reopening trade? Yeah, well, so for Visa, it's going to be about that cross-border payments. That's going to be your next kicker there, right? So you, you, you have this tailwind from digital payments that I think is likely to continue into, uh, you know, into the post-opening or the reopening here. People got used to not carrying as much cash. It's now fairly easy to use that. But what investors are going to look at and try to game is when are we going to get those cross-border payments to come backing up? 
And, you know, based on the way that the market has traded basically since the lows last March, it's always this optimism about it. So I think you're relatively safe with Visa here, betting that, hey, when this gets better, they've got a whole nother leg of their business that's going to start kicking in. Mm -hmm. Then ditto can be said for MasterCard, Steve Grasso. So then the question becomes, which payment stock? Because these are just fundamental. These are trends that are going to happen within the payment space. So I think stimulus checks uh, give me a little bit of noise around the uh, the credit card companies. But when you look at the charts, Visa and MasterCard do one thing. They ratchet higher over the years. Transaction volume goes up. Payment volume goes up. Everything goes up with these. You can't go wrong with owning one or both. Visa's up about 5% year to date. MasterCard uh, up 9%, but still both in the general direction. Lower left, upper right, can't go wrong with a payment with a credit card processor. All right. Uh, Visa's up 2% right now. Coming up, the Microsoft conference call is kicking off in just a few minutes, about 9 to be exact. We'll bring you all the market-moving headlines ahead. Plus, check out the afterwards action in Starbucks, AMD, Texas Instruments, and Pinterest, all on the move after reporting earnings. We'll break down those trades and more when this busy night of Fast Money returns. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got more earnings to trade here. Shares of Starbucks trading lower in the after hours on its results. Let's get to Courtney Reagan with all the details. Court. Hi there, Melissa. So Starbucks ultimately putting up a mixed second quarter. Earnings beat, revenues light. The coffee giant is raising its full year forecast for earnings and revenues with the midpoint of the ranges given above the street's consensus. Now, total global same-store sales are 15%, but that was slightly below FactSet's expectations. U.S. same-store sales of 9%. Starbucks says that was driven by a 21% increase in average ticket, 
but offset by a 10% decline in transactions. As many of us still aren't back to those normal commutes grabbing coffee on the way. China's same-store sales are up 91%, also driven by a strong increase in ticket there. Now, on the conference call, CEO Kevin Johnson says Starbucks is adapting to consumer behavior that may be here to stay, noting vaccinations are the key to normalization. Its AI program is using predictive analytics to monitor vaccination rates in key markets. Johnson says that digital is a significant part of the sales recovery in the United States, hitting all-time highs in ticket, frequency, new member acquisitions for the second straight quarter. In fact, mobile orders were 26% of orders in the U.S. That's up from 18% last year. 90-day active U.S. Starbucks rewards members grew 18%. To nearly 23 million. Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson will be on Squawk on the Street tomorrow at around 9.30. Make sure to tune in. Melissa? Courtney, thank you. Um, let's trade this one. Given the run in the stock prior to the earnings, Guy, <laughs> did you think this stock would be down more in the after-hour sessions? Down less yeah, than 2% yeah, right now. Yeah, I actually did. Yeah. No, I thought it should be down more. Like, I thought it would test that March high, which is 111. I'm sure Steve can talk to the levels. But, yes, the short answer is I thought it would because I don't think this is a great quarter. I mean, if you look at overall comps, they were disappointing. Listen, revenue's disappointing. What I think's bailing them out, and, and maybe the other guys have a view on this, is the fact that they raised full-year guidance on the EPS and revenue side, and they raised it on the margin side. So I think the streets give them a pass. I think they're trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. It's not a cheap stock. And I'm surprised it's not down more than it is, to your point. I think that's going to be a huge tell tomorrow. If it gets down to 111, I think you buy it with both hands. Yeah. Uh, Steve, what your take here? Yeah, I, I agree with, uh, with Guy. The, the level of 50-day moving average uh, is 109.61. So I would wait for, you know, we're, we're talking about a, a couple more percent to the downside. I think what people are giving it the benefit of is that Europe had a bunch of rolling uh, lockdowns again. So we saw uh, France have an issue. We saw Asia have some uh, some issues there. We saw Canada have an issue. So I I think that people are looking past that, knowing that people want to gather again today. So they're willing to say, okay, there's a little bit of a speed bump here, but we know we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I agree with Guy. 110, 111, I think is your entry point in Starbucks. All right, coming up, our mega earnings coverage continues. AMD, Texas Instruments, Pinterest, all on the move. We've got full coverage on those names straight ahead. Plus, a warning on Wall Street. Counterchords Tony Dwyer is raising the red flag, saying a significant pullback is coming. He will tell us why when Fast Money returns. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are in the middle of a busy night of earnings. Results are rolling in. Calls are kicking off, but our next guest is high, on high alert. He says the markets are due for a pullback. Tony Dwyer is Canaccord Genuity's chief market strategist. Tony, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Mel. Last time you were here, you were sounding um, you know, cautious as well. Are you even more cautious than the last time? Can you give us sort of the, the qualitative measure versus the last time we saw you? 
No, it's exactly the same. I, I think I was on the show the day that, that we made that mm -hmm. tactical downgrade. It's very different than a fundamental downgrade, but it was a tactical downgrade. And, and actually, Mel, if you look at it, the indicators that we use then are in the exact same spot and the indices are on, the, on in the exact same spot. So it's really hard to say, OK, something's different. And it may be fr it's frustrating a lot of people that you're just getting this sideways action. But that's what it's been. Is there anything about earnings season, uh, Tony, that you're watching that could change your mind or, or maybe makes a stronger case for what you're predicting? No, Mel, I, it, this is not a call that's based upon there's risk in the tape uh, from a fundamental basis. It's not like credit's having a problem. Credit is incredible right now. Um, there's excess liquidity. Earnings are, are blockbuster. We, we raised our earnings estimate for 2021 by two and a half bucks up to 178.50 about a month ago. There, there's nothing that's saying that the, this is a horrible environment. You got to be careful. You know, uh, all is lost. It, it's definitely not that. It's that everything is so good that it creates a condition that's ripe for a pullback. And as you know, one of my favorite lines that we use on the show is, Corrections only feel natural, normal, and healthy until you're actually in one. And then all of a sudden, when you're down 2%, you get start to get scared. So I'd rather be prepared for it, even if it's a little bit early. Honestly, if I'm doing my job right, I've got to be early. I'd rather have people take some profit. This isn't a go short and sell and bet against the market. No way. This is a take a little bit of profit because the market's up so much. Tony, this is something where just to dig a little bit deeper about that, we've you've been on the show for years now. So when you look at some of the other calls that you've had years ago, they seemed a lot more dire to me. So just to piggyback that last answer, can you drill down just a bit more? This doesn't seem that dire. It seems as if you might change your mind in, in uh, you might be more apt to change your mind than you would would have in those other downgrades. Would I be correct in saying that? Just give me the difference. Steve, Steve that's a great, it's a great question because this is not what happened in January of 2020. Remember, do you guys remember when the yield curve inverted and the, the thing that you had on the screen was Dwyer's doomsday clock? Because whenever the yield curve inverts, the US Treasury yield curve inverts, you end up in a recession. This is not that. You do not have uh, tightening financial conditions. Remember, you go into a sustained decline in the economic activity and the market sustained when you have a need for money and limited or no access to it. The opposite is true. We have a historic amount of excess liquidity with a synchronized global recovery. But when we got really bullish on offense last May and the top two sectors since then have been financials and industrials, we all know that the economy is reopening. We all know that you're at a maximum level of monetary stimulus. We know that there's a, a maximum level of fiscal stimulus that is being proposed. It's not, it's not gonna go on more, it's probably gonna come down a little bit. So Steve, it's a great question. This is a tactical call based on an extreme overbought condition and excess enthusiasm. This is not a fundamental heads, head for the hills kind of call. So, Tony, your big call really was, and it stood out for me, and you were great with this one, which was banks and tanks. Where do we stand now? Is there, is there still room, in other words, for that sort of area to go along with cyclicals? Or where do you see some of the best areas right now to have your money sort of shifted over towards in terms of trying to see where the markets go from here? Because we just came through the big earnings season that at least kicked it off with the, with the banks themselves. 
Pete, great, uh, great question. And, and so I actually think our call on the banks and tanks and energy and materials, the economically sensitive issues, it's a multi-year call. This is not going to be something that is the next 15 minutes for me. Um, you know I'm not a great trader. I'm pretty good on the, on the intermediate to long term. The bottom line is that until you have this belief that somehow we're going to go back into a recessionary environment, I do believe that you have a good outperformance of the cyclicals. One of the things that we had talked about the, over the last couple of months, when the, when the U.S. Treasury, 10-year Treasury yield was at 177 and everybody was thinking it was going to go to 2%, who in their right mind wanted to would believe that it would pull back. And, and we did. We thought it would pull back. We downgraded the, fi the financials on a relative basis. Well, it pulled back. 150 was enough. So a couple of weeks ago, we, we again turned that call into, I would rather be on a relative basis into the cyclicals, as I said a couple of weeks ago, versus growth. So that might mean in a correction, they go down less. But as today was, was similar to that, um, but I think that's where you want to be positioned into year end and into next year. Tony, thank you. Good to see you. Thank you, Mel. Tony Dwyer, Canaccord Genuity. Um, we have had uh, a lot of strategists turn more bearish recently. Um, it's not just Tony. We had Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley uh, last week, I believe it was, Savita Supermania, Bank of America. Um, Brian Kelly, how do you weigh all of these strategists who are becoming more bearish at a time when the S&P 500 is, I mean, as Tony had mentioned, and as, you know, Mike Wilson even conceded, mm -hmm. you know, the calls haven't worked out yet because the market keeps going higher. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's tough to stick yeah. by this. Right, right. But listen, I think I think all of these calls and Tony's in particular, when you're talking about it, it's it's a tactical move. So what does that mean? You made a lot of money this year. Maybe you take off 10 percent, 20 percent, book some profits. I think that's probably the move here. If I look at the market and say, what are the dangers out there? I think the biggest danger for the market is that the Federal Reserve is underestimating how tight the labor market is. And you start to get this big wage inflation, second half of the year, and a policy mistake comes. We haven't seen that yet, but from where I'm sitting from, that is what would probably stop this, on a, stop this rally on a more permanent basis. Um, Brian, are you in Wyoming now? <laughs> I just might be. Um, well, I mean, I, I asked that because you mentioned the Fed, and, and the producer going to kill me, but I, I'm thinking about Jackson Hole. When is Jackson Hole... <laughs> that, you know, confab and typically in. Wyoming, right, happen. It happens over the summer. And I'm just thinking about the Fed possibly, you know, using language to indicate that maybe it's going to start tapering its bond purchases sometime this year, which is what a recent Bloomberg survey had indicated the expectations are and how the market guy would take something like that. I love first of all, you're totally in my head because I was going to mention Savita and Mike Wilson last night. So you read my mind. Then I was going to say I would have loved to have seen Montana, which would have made Pete laugh. But I said none of those things. <laughs> what I will say is take, Tony, take Tony's call. It's a tactical call from somebody that's been spot on for the last couple of years. And what he's saying is be prepared for something that nobody sees coming right now. And that sort of echoes what Mike was saying in Savita last week. So I'm with them. I'm one of these people that think the VIX at 17 and change is too cheap. Mm. But I thought the VIX was too cheap at 21 as well. All right. Coming up, the earnings parade marches on AMD, Texas Instruments and Pinterest all on the move after reporting results. We'll break down the details next and later. We're setting the table for another big night of earnings. Apple set to report after the bell tomorrow. We've got your setup for that big one when Fast Money returns. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. We are tracking the after-hours action in the chips. AMD and Texas Instruments on the move after reporting results. We've got full-team coverage of both the names, Bertha Coombs standing by and Texan. Let's kick things off with Leslie Picker and more on AMD's quarter. Leslie. Hey, Melissa, AMD shares higher, almost about 4% on first quarter results, which saw top and bottom line beats with revenue nearly doubling year over year. Guidance also coming in ahead of estimates of the company's earlier forecasts. AMD said quarter over quarter growth will be driven by data centers and gaming. The call now underway, uh, CEO Lisa Su saying the company has entered a, quote, high performance computing mega cycle, one in which AMD is increasing R&D and delivering on, quote, leadership products. As far as supply chain constraints that have affected the industry recently, Sue said it's still very tight, but she has seen improvements that allowed AMD to actually raise their full year guidance. We'll hear more from Sue tomorrow on Squawk on the Street and a first on CNBC interview. Melissa. All right, Leslie, thank you. Let's turn to uh, Trex's Instruments. Bertha Coombs got the details there. Bertha. Beat as well on the top and bottom line, $1.85 earnings on uh, uh, Four, four and a quarter billion quarters highlights include industrial revenues up 20% sequentially, 30% year over year. Automotive was flat sequentially, but up 25% from a year ago. Electronics down 10% sequentially, but 50% up from a year ago. Guidance also strong on the call. There were questions about whether there were uh, cancellations and pushouts. A CFO, Rafael Lazardi, said they haven't seen any. And he says they are going to continue to raise incrementally their capacity over the next year and a half until their Fab 2 comes online, stressing that their in-house wafer production puts them at an advantage over competitors. Melissa? All right, Bertha, thank you, Bertha Coombs. Um, let's trade the chip names. Guy, I feel like we go through this with Texas Instruments every quarter where they seem to have a decent quarter um, at first glance and the stock trades lower and then the next day the stock trades higher. What do you think happens here? Because it gets dragged up with the rest of the chips. I mean, that, that's the beauty of these ETFs and stuff. You know, you get, to, you, you get to be dragged along with some of the big winners. Listen, again, I'm not looking to knock uh, Texas Instruments, but you don't have revenue growth. Mm. For example, AMD just told you you're going to have 50, 50, 50% revenue growth for this year. That's up from 37%, which was the guide. Last time Texas Instruments saw 50% revenue growth is when I was buying those computers besides the phone books when I was in high school. And that was a long time ago. Again, it's a great company. You just don't have the growth. AMD, you have the growth. And I think it's going to manifest itself in the higher prices for the stock. So Texan will probably get dragged up. You're right. AMD still is a place to be, in my opinion. Yeah. Pete, what do you make of AMD's quarter? Yeah, AMD's quarter was absolutely extraordinary. As a matter of fact, Mel, I think partially, if you if you want to compare these two stocks like you were just doing with Guy, I think you'd have to say, all right, let's take a look at the 52 weeks. Over the last 52 weeks, I take a look at Texas Instrument. Stock has nearly doubled, went from 107 up to over 190. So I think that's part of the storyline, too, because the fundamentals are there. But to Guy's point, they don't have the same type of growth. AMD, on the other hand, has done very little, especially recently, and that stock has just kind of been wavering around it. It had already been up above 90. It pulled back. And here it is having a pretty nice uh, move in the after hours right now. Their numbers are extraordinary. Their growth is there. And I think when you really look down at it, both these two names can continue to work. But to Texas Instrument, it makes some sense. I would not be surprised if in a very short period of time, 
after tomorrow come uh, the, after the bell we don't see texas instruments actually get back into positive territory over the next couple of weeks mm. all right coming up calling all creatives pinterest is on the move after reporting earnings conference calls just minutes away we'll bring you the numbers after this quick break Starting to get some headlines out of that Microsoft call, which is about 17 minutes in. Um, Satya Nadella talking about Teams, saying that it's crossed 145 million in daily active users. This again on the conference call. The last numbers I have was uh, 115 million in October of 2020. So they've gone up by 30 million daily active users. Uh, Pete Nigerian, I'm wondering if this is sort of the, the next thing. Does this make you feel better about Microsoft's quarter, that they're still able to, to grow Teams? even as the pandemic sort of settles down. Yeah, absolutely, Mel. I, I think that's exactly right, because when we look at a lot of these various stocks and we talk about the pandemic and those in the reopen side of things, yeah, that sometimes can be concerning. But I think this does reflect uh, really well on what Microsoft has been able to do, what they've created and the direction they're going. And they continue to find ways to get growth, including acquisition. But they've done a lot of different things over the last few years under Satya Nadella that have just been absolutely spectacular. All right, let's get to Pinterest here because it is plunging after hours on its results. Let's get to Julia Borson with the details. Julia. Melissa, Pinterest shares are down about 10 percent despite the fact that revenue and earnings both beat expectations. The company's monthly active users, though, fell short of projections. The company also saying they believe lockdowns probably pulled forward some user growth during 2020, particularly in the U.S., warning that the easing of pandemic restrictions slowed monthly active user growth and lowered engagement. And while they saw a good retention of newer users, they don't know how long that retention will last. The company's guidance of 105% revenue growth for the second quarter did surpass expectations, but Pinterest said they do expect U.S. users to be flat from the year earlier quarter in Q2. This speaks to the fact that all 19 million new Pinterest users in the first quarter came from outside the U.S., and revenue per user outside the U.S. grew nearly twice as fast as that revenue per user grew inside the U.S. E-marketers saying this means Pinterest will need to continue to double down on ad products that squeeze more revenue out of existing users. Melissa? Julia, thanks. Julia Borston. This notion of, of this dramatic pull forward and not really having a grasp on how, how well the company will retain the new users, this smacks guy of Netflix to me. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, I was early Pinterest, as was Rick Heitzman, yeah. only in terms of my Pinterest page. <laughs> Look, I think what people are concerned about is exactly what Julia just said. There's no, there's, no, there's no user growth, right? But I'll tell you what there is. There's operating margin growth. And, oh, by the way, ARPUs, and if Tim was here, he would tell everybody what that stands for, that was better than expected as well. So if you can look past the fact that you're not getting the user growth, you are getting better metrics. So you've got to figure out what, you know, what makes sense to you. You're still talking about tremendous growth on the revenue side, probably 50% EPS growth. And I think here at the $68 level, it makes a lot of sense. The $90 is a bit of a double top. I think you can buy it in the mid-60s. So Guy's still a fan, Brian Kelly. What do you think, down 10%? <laughs> No, I don't, I don't think so. These things, it's all network effect, right? I mean, that's that's the point with these. And as soon as you start losing that network, it doesn't matter. It's great that you're making money. But if you're losing the network, then you're, the whole game, it's not over, but it's just the business model changes. So for me, down 10%. I don't know. I don't like it. All right. 
Up next, get ready for Apple, the tech giant reporting earnings tomorrow after the bell. We've got your setup when Fast Money returns. I think this stock is higher when we walk in tomorrow. So tomorrow night's show, I think we're talking about a $750 stock. And when I'm wrong, which very good chance that happens, you can fast fire me. But playing the game, I think it's $750 airtime tomorrow night. Didn't quite happen that way, at least today. Um, 704 is where it closed, down 4.5%, pretty much closed at session low. So, Guy, what did you make of the price action here? Lousy. I mean, that's an old-fashioned fast fire, and it's deserved, but it wasn't without thought behind it. You know, we've seen this picture, at least I've seen it, so many different times with Tesla where, you know, you get negative numbers or perceived negative numbers, they sell it off early, and then the next day the stock is ratcheting higher. I thought we'd see the same movie again. I was wrong, but that's not, again, to say that the story is over. I don't think it's over by any stretch. I think people are going to figure that out. I get all the naysayers selling it was selling credits. It was selling their Bitcoin. That's why they had such a huge beat on the revenue side. But you know what? They figured it out for quarter after quarter after quarter. I learned the hard way years ago. I'm going to stick by it. I still think Tesla's going to trade high over the next week or so. All right. Well, that was last night. So let's get to tomorrow because we've got a bunch of big names reporting after the bell, including Apple. Mike has got the setup. Hey, Mike. Hi there. Yeah. So in uh, Apple, we saw calls outpacing puts by about two to one. That's consistent with the average flows that we've seen over the course of the last 20 days or so. Right now, the options market is implying a move of about 5% after they report. That, too, is consistent with the 4.7% the company has averaged over the past eight reported quarters. The most active options were the weekly 135 strike calls. Over 43,500 of those calls traded for an average of about $2.60. But the 135 puts that also expire on Friday were the second most active. Those were trading for about $2.90. Interestingly, it was mostly retail flows on the call buying, and it was mostly institutional flows on the put buying, possibly hedging the fact that the stock is up about 11% in the course of the last month. Steve Grasso, what's your take on, uh, on the setup into the quarter? Uh, Apple, I personally own Apple, and when you look at the 50-day moving average, it's spiked down. Look at the 20-day. That's the momentum indicator. I'm looking for higher prices. Look for 145, and then after that, 180. Yep, 180. All right. Mike, thanks for that. My co. More options, actually. Be sure to tune into the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Final Trade Time. Steve Grasso. STPK. Bye, bye, bye. Pete Nigerian. I'm going to go with Microsoft on this dip, Mel. I think it's an opportunity. Brian Kelly. You know, Pete knows springtime's planting time, mosaic, fertilizer, MOS. I like that one. <laughs> Guy Adami. <laughs> City at a discount to tangible <laughs> book is just too cheap, Mel. Let her see. All right. Thanks for watching. Fast to see back here tomorrow Fox, for another busy night of earnings. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.